Welcome to Vineyard Church Cardiff podcast. Today we have Dave Kemp finishing our series in Philippians. Hello, my name is Dave. Um, my wife Rachel and I lead the north site of this Vineyard Church Cardiff, as well as the youth ministry. And it is great to be joining you wherever and whenever, wherever and whenever you are tuning in from. It is my great privilege to be doing the last part of our series in Philippians with you today. We've called this series Joyful um, because these are two main themes that run through this amazing letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to his to one of his one of his favourite churches. I never know if you're allowed to say that. It's kind of like saying you've got a favourite kid, but you know he loved these guys a lot and they loved him dearly as well. We have been dipping in and out of this letter since January. We've had some amazing time studying it. I'd really encourage you, if you've missed any of the talks, to go back uh, onto the website, the YouTube channel, the podcast, and have a listen. Um, It is an inspiring and a rich text. Um, And our final section today is no different. So let's dive straight into it and finish our series in Philippians. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 23. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. That is it. We have finished the book of Philippians. Have a great week. No, I'm joking. Um, as I said, this is an amazingly rich bit of scripture. And I want, I want to draw one thing out. And it is a theme that the Apostle Paul comes back to again and again in this letter, but also in his other writings. And it is the theme of being content. Now, contentedness is quite a strange thing. I think if you ask people what their goal in life was, whether they're followers of Jesus or not, a lot of people would say it is to be content. But it is actually quite a hard thing to define. What do we even mean by contentedness? I think the worldly definition 
all centers around peace and prosperity. This sort of picture of being able to sit back on my porch without any worries, surrounded by those I love, with enough for what I need, maybe enough for a few things that I want. And it's important to say that in and of themselves, none of those things are bad. But I am not sure, in fact, I am certain that that is not what Paul is talking about. First of all, he wasn't sat on his porch, surrounded by those he loved with everything he needed when he wrote these words. He was in prison, almost certainly in Rome, almost certainly on death row. He was entirely dependent on the donations of those who knew and visited him for food and supplies. He was surrounded by soldiers. He was unable to leave. And he was knowing that very soon he was probably going to be killed for his faith in Jesus. And we know that that is indeed what happened to him. It's not exactly a chilled afternoon sat in the garden. Secondly, I don't think this sort of sat on the porch idea of contentment um, I don't think that's what biblical contentment is because it's a very passive image and God is not in the business of making people passive. He is forever calling his people to action, to fight injustice, to spread the gospel, to serve one another, to love one another. For example, if you are an entrepreneur, this, this worldly definition of contentedness, you would probably reject Paul's teaching to be content because you don't want to be passive. And rightly so, God has made you to look around and see what could be and to go after it with everything you've got. And that is a good thing. God is not in the business of making people passive. So the question is, what does Paul mean when he says content? And the answer is in the text that he has surrounded this word with. Verse 11 I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Verse 12, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. So let's break it down. For Paul, being content is, number one, not dependent on your circumstances, because he says in any and every situation. Number two, it's not something you have, it is something that you are. I have learned to be. And something that you are cannot be taken away from you. And thirdly, it is something that you learn. Now, this is about as far from that worldly, sat on my porch, passive contentment as it is possible to get. To quote my dear friend, Pastor Paul Crutchley, who many of you will know, um, he leads the evening service in our central site. The Apostle Paul here is saying, my external circumstances don't dictate my internal peace. Whether my bank account has five figures or I cannot pay rent, whether I own my own home or I'm sofa surfing, whether I am married or I'm single, whether I have a thriving social circle or I'm lonely, whether I'm free or in prison, my internal peace is steady. And don't don't you like the sound of that? I think this offer of contentment is one of the most wonderful things about our faith. And I think that when we get it, it is one of the most noticeable things about people who follow Jesus. The trouble is, Paul, the apostle, tells us that it is a secret. The good news is it is one of the worst kept secrets of all time. 
You know when someone tells you that they know something that they can't tell you and then immediately tells you what it is straight away. First of all, they shouldn't, that is gossiping and we don't do that. But hilariously, this is what Paul does straight away here. Um, and it's okay here because it is the good news and to quote Ellie Mumford, we should be gossiping the gospel. But I genuinely think if you look at the stats, this might be one of the worst kept secrets of all time because Paul says it's a secret. He then immediately reveals the answer to it, how to discover it. And it is in the Bible, which is the most read book of all time. So statistically, I think this is the worst kept secret of all time. And straight away, he tells us the answer. Verse 13, he says this, I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Another translation, I can do all of this through him who empowers me, or I can do all of this through him who fills me with his power. Now, this is world changing for us. And I just want to sit on it for a second because I know it is easy to come to church or to tune in, to listen to the preach, hopefully to enjoy it, and then just go home and get on with your life. But this can change your life. Paul is asking us, whatever the circumstances, where do you draw your strength from? I draw my strength from Jesus. And it is that that is world changing. And it's essential to realise that this is not trite advice. The worldly definition of content is trite. It's weak because the trouble with this passive sit on your porch contentment is that when your life is falling apart, when your marriage is struggling, when your kids are out of control, when you're suffering from depression or you're drowning in debt, the world robs you of the contentment that it told you to go after. It's also important to realise that this is not stoicism. So stoicism, being stoic, is the endurance of pain or hardship without any display of feelings and without complaint. It's sort of given rise to this, the emotionally stunted, you know, stiff upper lip, keep calm and carry on, real men don't cry attitude. And it stems from a Greek philosophy called stoicism that was rife in Paul's time. Paul was highly educated, he spoke Greek, and he would have been well aware of the Stoic philosophers. And he deliberately does not align what he is saying here with their philosophy. This is not, get over it, don't show any pain, act like everything is fine. And a slightly sad chapter of church history is that it has sometimes been read as such. But it is not trite advice and it is not Stoicism. Biblical contentment, contentment found in Jesus, is powerful, earth-shaking truth that does not vary because of your circumstances and does not leave you when things are bad. If anything, it gets stronger as things get tougher because when we realise our own weakness, we run to Jesus for strength. As Paul wrote in one of his other letters to, um, to the church in Corinth, God says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And that's the secret, the worst kept secret in history, that whatever the circumstances, don't draw on your own reserves because they are limited. Don't draw on the reserves of others because they are limited. Learn instead to draw your strength from Jesus. Biblical contentment is learning to depend on the rock that never fails. 
I just want to say that again. Biblical contentment is learning to depend on the rock that never fails. Do you have that? Do you have that contentment? When you get bad news, do you turn to Jesus? When you are afraid or anxious or worried, do you turn to Jesus? When you feel empty, do you turn to Jesus? If yes, that is wonderful. Like Paul, you have learned the secret of being content. And there will be people here who have that. It is available to all of us. For me, I'm at a place where um, I have it a lot of the time, um, but not all of the time. There are things that get under my radar. I don't depend on the rock that never fails. And those are the things that can take me out. And I am learning the secret of being content in all things, not just some things. This is a journey. As Paul said, it is something that we learn. So if you are on the same journey as me, or if you don't feel like you have this at all, if you're like, I have no contentment, how do I get this? This is what I need. Listen up, because this is available to all of us. And there are two key things. There are two key ways that we can learn this contentment. Number one is we have to unlearn depending on ourselves. And number two, we have to learn who our God is and choose to believe it and choose to trust him even when we don't feel it. The heart of being content is that we trust someone who never fails. You can't trust something that is transient because by nature it can change. You can't hold firm to something that is always shifting. Jesus, however, is the same yesterday, today and forever. We can trust him because he doesn't change. And Rach and I have been on a journey of doing this um, for most of our marriage. Uh, when we'd been married about a year, we felt God calling us to do um, the church's leadership year. Um, at the time, that was a two day a week commitment and it was unpaid. And so I got a three day a week job uh, and then the other two days um, I was w working for the church. On top of that, we felt that God was calling Rach to volunteer um, for the youth ministry. At the time, there were two youth and there was no paid time available. So it would mean us surviving on my three day a week job. We felt called to step out in faith, not to depend on ourselves, but to trust that God would provide. The Bible tells us that he does. And we had to choose to believe that that was true even when we wobbled, even when we were not full of faith. Like Peter, when he walks out on the water, the second he becomes afraid and starts to sink, he cries out, Jesus, save me. We had to learn to do the same. And we did it. We had a tiny income and by every worldly measure, the time was not successful. But we don't measure things by worldly standards. And it is one of the best years of my life. We saw God provide again and again. We learned the secret of being content in times of want. Whenever things got too low, we turned to God and he met everything we needed and more. And this is, this is the amazing thing about trusting God. You know, as it says in Ephesians, he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. That year was the year that we were, Rachel and I were taken on a 15-day all-inclusive cruise to see the Northern Lights. And, I mean, it was incredible. I think it probably cost more than we earned in the entire year. God provides for his people. 
And it is a lesson that has stayed with us and hopefully will stay with us for the rest of our lives. Some of you will know um, our story as we felt God calling us to take on the leadership of the north side of this church. Uh, the one big practical problem is we, don't, we didn't have a car um, and we lived too far away from the site to get there any other way. But we felt like God was calling us to take it on um, and we know that he provides. And so we said yes and we will, we will see how he provides the car. And it was getting closer and closer to the time of us taking it on. And it was about a month away and we were, um, we were driving somewhere in someone else's car. And we're just suddenly like, oh, we've only got a month till we start leading this thing and we can't get there. What are we going to do? And we were really wobbled. We were quite, both of us quite like, oh no. Um, and then we were just chatting it through and we we're like, what are we worried about? We know God provides and we know he's called us to this. So we need to trust him. And the next day in our quiet time, both of us separately uh, just read the word. We studied his verses about provision. We prayed. By 12 o'clock, about four hours later, we'd had an email from someone saying, I'm going to America in three months. You can't have my car because it won't fit your kids in the back. But my parents are going to have my car. And they said, you can have their second car. Um, and they wanted to pay our insurance for three months. So we were just, yes, thank you, Jesus, for your provision. And so we started, we had it for two months and then it was, it was two months in, a month before uh, she was due to come back and we we're like, oh, what are we going to do? We've only got a month. What's going to happen at the end of this month? The next day, we got an email from that family saying, we want to give you that car um, for keeps. It's yours. We had learned, we have learned not to depend on ourselves, but to trust God you know, you might feel in turmoil. There is enough to make us feel in turmoil at the minute, isn't there? Draw on his strength. He can bring you peace. Maybe straight away, or maybe you will have to wait, but you can still be content. You might feel lost. Draw on his strength. He can give you direction and it may be straight away, or maybe you'll have to wait but you can still be content, content in the knowledge that you can trust him. There are things that I am 10 years into praying for and haven't seen an answer, but I am content in them because I trust him. For Rachel and I, we were content when we had nothing because we had learned to be strengthened by him. And we were content when we saw him provide. The key is that we would still have been content if he hadn't provided because we find strength in him, not in his gifts. We find joy in his gifts, but our strength comes from him. And this is what we see Paul say to the Philippians who had sent him an offering they'd taken to support him while he was in prison. He was content with or without it because he had Jesus. And in that contentment, he was free to consider what they had sent him, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, as it says in verse 18. Now, we wanted to take this moment to celebrate our church giving as well. Um, in May, hopefully many, if not all of you know, that we ran a vision and a giving campaign, laying out the next stage for what God is calling us to as a community and asking those within the community to give as they felt God directing them. To recap it really quickly, the three main things we are pressing into in this next stage are buying the gate, developing our sites and ministries, 
and church planting and developing further leaders. And if you want to know more about those things, you can head to the website. This is a big vision. And we have worked out that we needed £298,000 to make it happen. Amazingly, before we had even asked for a penny, people from within our church and outside it had felt God prompting them to give without knowing why. And we had been given £87,000 before the start of the series. Now, we are so excited to announce that with that initial 87000 and everything that has been given since we started sharing the vision with the church, we have now been given a total, oh, I kind of want a drum roll, I wonder if we can put a drum roll on, a total of £306,526. Isn't that incredible? Thank you. Many of you have given towards this. Many of you have sacrificed other things in, able, in order to be able to do so. It is an amazing response. We've been, look, we've been sort of focused in uh, 1 Chronicles 29. And in there, the whole assembly came together and gave towards the work of God. And that is what has happened with us. The family, the community of God has come together and given to the work of God. If you still want to be part of it and you haven't given yet, it is not too late. Please head to the giving page of our website. God is doing amazing things. And to say it again, thank you. It is humbling as a leader to stand up, to share a vision and to see people give towards making it happen. So thank you. It is indeed, as Paul describes it, a fragrant offering. Um, and when this total was announced to the staff team, it was a wonderful moment of rejoicing. And what I love is that Paul follows up this thanksgiving with a promise in verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. This is the secret of being content, learning to depend on the rock that never fails, drawing on the unlimited strength and reserves and love of God and choosing to do it again and again, no matter how hard, no matter how bad circumstances seem, and often more and more the worse things get. And although it is the worst kept secret in history, it is waiting to be discovered and it has to be discovered by each of us individually. You cannot draw on someone else's contentment because by definition, you are then drawing strength from someone other than God. So my encouragement to you is go for it. Go and discover this worst kept secret in history. Start asking God what it looks like for you to depend on him more and more. Ask him where you should start. Ask him where you're too self-reliant. It can be a hard question to sit down and ask him and listen, but you might be surprised by the answer he gives you. But if you do respond to this invitation to trust him more in an area of your life, I can guarantee you from personal experience, you will not regret it.